Alright, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3 this morning. Talked about trust last week. Kind of defined it and everything. But I want to talk about it some more. You know, I usually try to write something down, kind of like an opening statement, so to speak. And I'll read that here in a second. But I was thinking about it in there. And you know how when you're studying about something and it's just on your mind and thoughts are coming to you, even sitting in there, just like right before I get up. And I don't know, I just had this occurred to me. It's not like a, an epiphany or anything, but that's the, th- the reason why trust is one of those things that is so, it's so, ele- it's elementary, it's fa- foundational, but nobody seems to be able to truly get a hold of it. Is when it comes to God, okay, I'm talking about trust in the Lord, is that they look at Him like that. The act of trusting Him, they look at it the same as they would the act of trusting anybody else. And they don't trust nobody. Because you can't trust nobody hardly anymore. You just can't. Professionals say, I'll be there at a certain time. And then they just don't show up. And they don't call you and tell you that they're not coming. I mean, that's what happened this past week with the air conditioner guy. And that's that's like one of the biggest HVAC companies in Popper Bluff. And he just didn't show up. And he was a no-call, no-show. If one of his employees did that to him, they'd fire him. Yep. Yeah. You can't trust nobody. And that's been the baseline that's been established in our culture now for generations to the point where... Is it any wonder that when you try to tell a lost person about, look, you just got to trust the Lord, and they're just like, I don't trust you. I don't trust nobody. I don't trust my wife. I don't trust the law. I don't trust the government. I don't trust nobody. How, you know, and you want me to trust somebody that I can't even see? It don't make no sense. They don't understand anything about God, and they certainly understand only one thing about trust. It's sad, ain't it? Last week we talked about trust, about what it is defined as, what it's made of, where it has to come from, its components and expectations in us, in verses 1 through 4 of Proverbs chapter 3 there. After having established these things, the author's admonition then is to put that trust you've learned and developed in the one and only person in the universe that is unfallible, trustworthy, and able to fulfill his promises that you would put your trust in. It's terribly sad to see the state that an individual can get themselves into through a life, through, through living a life of sin, the turmoil in life that it brings, no peace, strife in family, addiction, suffering, loss of health, the list goes on and on. But sadder still is to realize how many people in this state do not know or understand God enough to be able to grasp His trustworthiness. And cannot get over the obstacle of being able to put their trust in Him. And we've seen this talking to a fellow this week. You know, there's so much, and I'm speaking uh, from a personal perspective here, I suppose. But, you know, the old story of growing up in church and having heard preaching all my life. And, you know, having a stay, you know, having... uh, kind of nailed down the fact that you know i'm born again i know i am and so that's you know i say this very it seems like i'm making light of it but i'm 
I'm just thinking about the way people think about things, okay, and how they go through life and the things that they're interested in or the things they focus on. You've got that took care of. So now that's a non-issue, right? I'm, I'm born again, so I don't have to worry about that no more. Let's proceed and progress on. And let's grow, right? And so it seems like so much of our preaching and teaching becomes turned more inward for self-improvement, uh, for growth, spiritual growth, and and for keeping us in the way. You know, I mean, you're prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, said the songwriter, but uh, it, it kind of makes sense why so much of of our teaching and preaching and everything is is to try to keep us focused on where we're supposed to be and staying right and staying in the right. And, you know, I remember being young when I was younger, even when I was younger, you know, revivals and camp meetings and even preachers that just got up there and preached evangelists. And they preached salvation. They preached repentance and they preached turning from your sin and they preached about hell and they... You know, there was a lot of things that was focused on about becoming a Christian, being born again, preaching to the lost. That everybody had a pretty good understanding and grasp on how to tell somebody how to become a Christian. But as the years have went by and so much of this, you know, self-improvement has been focused on more than the gospel oh, yeah. for the lost. How it applies to a lost man has kind of been sidelined and we've focused more on just being a better version of us. That now it's almost like, even in myself, I find myself just like, when you're put on the spot, you need to understand, when God opens the door, you can go out here and beat on a door and force a situation where you've already got a pre-canned message to give them. And you've got the advantage over them, Right? But what if God orchestrates a meeting for you? For a man to sit in your living room and have real questions. And you're not even thinking about that right now. You're thinking about the work you got to do. And I've been at work all day and i got to come home and do this work and blah, blah, blah. And I come in and I get home and he's already... And, and you're put on the spot now. So where where what have you got? What have I got to give him like right off the cuff? Yeah. Something that's as real to me in every day of my life that I can just share it with him because it is the truth. Mm-hmm. Something that's not just like some pre-canned, pre-fabricated, you know, buzz phrase or religious hyperbole. Just a pat answer to give him, to, you know, just for example, and I'm not diminishing what I'm about to say, but think about what this sounds to somebody who has zero understanding and has nothing but turmoil and questions. Well, just trust the Lord. You just got to put your faith, you give it to Him and He'll say, He'll help you. Well, them are not untrue statements. But you got to have more to give them. You know, think about, you know, He's been t- preaching in uh, John. And about the, what Jesus said to the man at the pool and how little he had to say. Yeah. Five words. Mm-hmm. Wilt thou be made whole? But it was all that needed to be said. The message conveyed. And it wasn't through you know, supernatural deified power. No, it was just the truth. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just as effective coming from his lips as it can be from ours. Because it's the truth. And that's the matter, like this matter of trust, you know, trust the trust in the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, we read verses 1 through 4 last week. We're just going to read verses 5 and 6 today. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. See, say that to a lost man. And he doesn't understand. You just there's just a bunch there you you don't you know. When the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip had their meeting, that man was reading Isaiah. And Philip asked him a very pointed question. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I? I want to read it. I, I, I know there's got to be something in here that I need. I feel compelled. Mm-hmm. That man told us last week, yep. I'm just going to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Without trying to let any of my raisin, any of the, you know, the religion that was put in him before, affect what I'm reading. I just want to read it for what it is. That's it is. exactly what you've got to do. And, but here's the thing they need to be informed and, and, and it isn't like telling them to sit down and get a notebook out and take notes because you're going to need to go back through this I've got a lot of information to give you right no look what is there to trust about the Lord because that's one of the questions they're going to be asking themselves if they're not asking you outright you say, trust the Lord. And he said, well, why should I? What is there to trust about Him? I've, I've put my trust in everything else that I've ever known in my life and it's let me down. It's bit me. It's burned me. And now look at me and where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm facing things that I cannot overcome. Right. And I'm scared. And I'm, desperation is starting to set in. So you've got to think about it. When the Holy Spirit convicts somebody of their sin and their lost condition, that's the point He'll get them to. If a sinner is not there, they're just not ready. And no amount of fear tactics or threatening or scary or whatever that you can give them is going to get them there like the Holy Spirit can at convicting them of their sin. So what are, what, what's there to trust about the Lord? Well, here's some things that you can share with them that's right on the nose. They, they can understand, they can relate to this. Because everything else in their life is not this way. What's there to trust about the Lord? Well, how about this? Number one, He doesn't change. He's always the same. Malachi 3 verse 6 says... For I am the Lord thy God. I change not. Everybody. I mean, I want you to think about this. Now, I know that we try to have confidence in each other. And we ought to try. We ought to live circumspectly enough to where people can have confidence in us. 
But at the end of the day, everybody that's sitting in this room is a human being. There's only one person in the whole universe that does not change. And that's God. As much as I love Him, my dad, and I trust Him, the possibility that He could make a wrong choice or a mistake and do something to betray that trust is what is a possibility. I mean, I don't ever anticipate that to be. But to put 100% faith in His infallibleness is, is foolish of me because He's a man. He, he could. There is the possibility that He could. And if my faith was based in His perfection, then I would be putting my faith and my trust in the wrong place. Same goes for a spouse. I mean, I know people who basically deify their spouse because they're just so great. And look, that ought to be your heart. But don't put your faith and trust there and not in God. Because even if she never let me down, she could die before me and then she's gone. And then where would I where would I be? Same way the other way. That's why our anchor in our trust has to be in God. And that's what they need to understand is that, look, you can do this. You can trust Him because He doesn't change. Everybody else in your life possibly could. Lots of them do. Lots of them do. And you just, they just fade off into the, the rear view distance past of your life as people that were a thing and now they're not. But He don't do that. He'll never do that to you. You can trust in the fact that He won't change. How about number two? He really does care. You know, how many people in your life do you think, like in your private thoughts, if you made a list of people, that if they knew you and all of your worries and fears and cares and your likes and dislikes and your quirkiness or your eccentricities or whatever, all of, they knew you. How many would actually care about what makes you sad or makes you afraid or what you love or what you don't love? How many would really care? Well, not very many. It, you know, they say that if you make it through life with enough friends that you could count them on one hand, that you trust and you feel that way about that most people don't. Most people don't make it all the way through life with friends that are that close that have been there throughout their life. Because at the end of the day, everybody cares more about theirs than they do yours. Uh, And that's... I don't know. I don't know that human beings have the capacity to care for everyone. If I concern myself about caring in sincerity about every little trouble of everybody that I know, I feel like it would it would just deplete me to the point where I couldn't live, you know? I barely can keep up with my own cares. But God is not like that. The Lord cares about everybody, no matter where you're at. Don't matter what you've done. Don't matter how bad you feel about what you are 
for what you've done. He cares. Genuinely. And not in a way that's going to diminish with time or fade away because of his other interests or other people's problems. He cares about you forever. He died for you before you even were thought of. And all your cares and your problems and your sins. He doesn't make promises that He doesn't keep. You can trust Him because He doesn't do that. How many times have you been made a promise? Even something as simple or, or as, uh, you know, like somebody showing up on time. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't raised that way. And so I always try to get there five, at least five or ten minutes early. That's just how I try to do, no matter what it is. And I just don't understand somebody that would just say, I'll be there, and then not show up. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that do that in every about every aspect of their life. They make somebody a promise, and then they don't show up for it. How many, how many marriages do you think begin that way, but then they end that way? Well, that's what it is. In essence, you stand and make a promise. And then you don't show up. You're there for the good times and you're not there for the bad. You're there in riches, uh, richness and in health, not sickness and poverty. <laughs> don't show up. Make promises that they don't keep. But God don't do that. It's another reason why you can trust Him. How about this? He has real life answers and help for real life problems. And he has answers and solvings for problems that you have that man cannot fix and doesn't offer help for. You know, there's things in our life, monetary, you know, mundane things of life uh, that, that the Lord helps you with. He helps us with. I believe that. I've, he's proved it time and time and time again for us. You know, I mean... Things that overwhelm you, like your bills and, you know, all of the cares of life. And yet right in the clutch, He comes through. And He provides a, a relief. He provides an answer. And those things, what a blessing. Because you can actually, like, hold them in your hand. And you can say, look, God gave us this. But what about the things that there is no... I mean, look... I believe that the Lord provides those things because I trust Him too, okay? But anybody else out there that don't know Him could say, well, okay, yeah, you say God gave you that, but you know, that guy ordered something from you and that's where that money came from. Well, okay. All right, for the sake of argument, let's go ahead and say that that's the way it is. I can pretend, air quotes, that God answered my prayer and provided for me, but that uh, that fellow out there ordered a sign or something, and that's what gave me the money to pay my my my, my house payment with. Okay, well, I'll give you that. But what about things like peace? You know, can anybody that's out there stop by my house and give me something that'll calm the storm in my soul, in my mind, give me answers with my family? That I don't, I can't fix. I don't know what to do. No. 
Let's say, well, does God fix your problem? Well, not always. I feel like he eventually works it out just like he planned for it to be done. But he don't immediately grant me my wish like a genie. All things work together for good, but but it's not sometimes it's not instant mashed potatoes here, you know? But during that waiting time of him and his timing, he gives me peace. He calms my spirit. He gives me reassurance that takes away my worry. Find something out there that can do that for you. Because you're not going to find it. That's why you can trust Him. He can provide you with something that no one else can. You know, answers to these issues that you have in your soul that that you've lived a whole lifetime trying to find an answer to in a pill bottle or a booze bottle or a needle or whatever it is. And you can't find the answer. And you can't get no peace. He can give that to you. He can do that for you. He can be that for you. But there's this matter of trust involved. He's always been that. And been available that way to all of mankind. The only thing that stands between Him being able to do that in your life and it being done is you. Trusting Him. Because it's a relationship built on love. You know, when we get married, I keep talking about this, but this is the season of our life, I'll tell you what. I'm going to be kind of glad when this season's over. Because <laughs> it's stressful. But I'm going to say this. You know, when you get married, oh, you love each other. And you're just head over heels for each other. But I don't care what you say. You don't trust each other. You really don't. You'd like to think you do. You trust what you think you know. But you don't know each other. So there's no real trust there. Trust comes when the trials come. And people have to start proving what they are. Then it begins to become established how trustworthy they are. Yes, true. And so even in the best case scenario, a wedding where two people are coming together and they're getting married and everything is so beautiful and wonderful and love is in the air and everything is just so romantic and so... Uh, real trust is missing. He's not showed up yet. See, that's the difference, though, between a relationship with people, even your mate, versus a relationship with God. See, we have to establish a baseline of trust. Then we begin our life together. And then we have to live a lifetime together of proving our trustworthiness, maintaining our trustworthiness with each other in order for us to continue to give that trust to each other. I mean... We've been married 25 years this 24. year. 24. Next year, 25. Well, yeah, 24 this year. Okay. But I could do something today that would put it in reverse and set me back in trustworthiness to her. Same the other way. There's things I got to do to maintain. Well, look, God 
doesn't have to establish a baseline of trust with you because he already is trustworthy. See, that's the advantage of a relationship with God and why you can just trust him right out the gate, 100%. Because he's already established what he is. He's already proven what he is. And it's a, it's, it's always been, okay? It ain't like it is with human beings where we have to establish that with each other. The Lord is always accessible and he's provided a clear pathway for that for everyone. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's always available. There ain't a time where he's emotionally unavailable. You ever heard that phrase? You know, my social battery is dead. I'm emotionally unavailable right now. Get back with me tomorrow. Put your problems on ice. Put a lid on it until I'm in a better place to deal with your issues. Blah, blah, blah. You know, God don't do that. The Lord does not do that to you. That's why you can trust Him. Implicitly. Completely. 100%. Immediately. It's hard for human beings to wrap their mind around that kind of trust. Because we don't have that for anybody else. Even the person you love the dearest and nearest to you. If you really examine it. It's almost like it's always on trial. Their trustworthiness is always on trial. But God's is not, see? He's always available. Now, feel like you can't trust the Lord, no matter how bad you'd like to? Because I've heard people say that. I'd like to, but I just don't think I can. I just don't believe I can. Well, why? Well, it's because your trust is being placed in something else. That's what's going on. Psalms 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. When you put your faith in your trust, and remember, I'm talking about how we can explain this to a lost man in simple enough terms where he can understand it, where he can begin to have an understanding with the Holy Spirit's help of what he can do. How he can trust the Lord. You know, it's a, it sounds elementary, but they don't know how to trust the Lord. And our job is to show them how trustworthy he is. We've got to have the right information to give somebody, don't we? Yes. You ever been in a situation where you felt inadequate to say what needed to be said? Felt like you didn't have the answers? Yeah, it's a bad feeling, you know? I thought about it this morning. I was sitting there studying and it just overwhelmed me. You know, if that fellow showed up here and came this morning like we invited him to or whatever, he was here. And this was the one time that I had a chance to give him the truth in a way that he could understand. Would I have something to give him? Would I be able to say what needed to be said? Or would I leave here thinking, oh man, what a mess I made of that. Well, it's not like, well, I'll get him on the next time. No, what if that was the only time? What was the only chance? You don't realize how that is. A lot of people, it is their only time, the only time they get to hear. You know, it's, the older I get, 
the more people that I have known all my life that are fading, they're passing away. Okay. I mean, drive by the sign down there and see them all the time. And I'm like, I knew that guy. I knew that lady. I've loaded feed. I've loaded feed in his truck a hundred times when I worked at the feed store. I remember good conversations I had with that old man. He's gone. You know, lady that worked at the Patterson Market that has talked to us extensively so much about wanting to buy a bear and all. She was just the sweetest lady. Her name was Kim. And she died suddenly this week. She just, she's gone. Gone. And I'll never get a chance to speak with her again about carvings or the Lord or anything. And we just always kind of pacify ourselves with the fact that, well, we'll just try to do better next time. They may not have a next time. That's why it's so important for us to know what to do, to be grounded in the truth in this matter, being able to say, hey, I have an answer for you. Somebody can't put their trust in the Lord and they just struggle with it. And I just try, look, I've tried, but I can't. It's because they're putting their trust in their own self. It's what five and six is talking about there. You know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That's where it begins. And you aren't, you're trusting in your own heart. It says trust in the Lord with thine heart. All of it. And there, first of all, they're trusting their own heart. They're not, you have to be done with your sin, your own understanding and your own way. And you're trusting in yourself when you come to him saying, I need help. If you are still holding on to any of that, you're not going to be able to put your trust in him. You got to be done with it. That's why that says that in Psalm 66 there. If I regard iniquity, what do you mean? Well, it's that anything outside of putting your trust in him is something that's going to fail you. And it's going to lead you down a life and pathway of sin. And if you're still regarding that, y'all have nothing to talk about. Your trust placed where? In your own heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above, above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six: He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. You're trusting in your own heart, your feelings about things, instead of trusting in the Lord with thine heart. He doesn't say, don't trust with your heart. He just says, trust in me with your heart. My son, give me thine heart. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them on the tables of thine heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. It's, it's got to be involved. But you're trusting in your own heart. You're trusting in your own carnal desires and wants. Which is what you want, not what God wants. That's what that looks like. Yeah. You know, this matter of dreams for your life. I don't know. I've thought about that a lot. You know, people ask young people, what, what's your dream? What is your, what's your, your hopes and dreams, all, all of that. 
You better be careful asking them that because when they're young, everything's kind of a fantasy. Their understanding about the way life really works and the way, you know, disappointment works and all of that is a fantasy. They don't have a grip on the reality of it yet. And when you encourage them to base the whole plan for their future in their mind of what that would look like on their dreams, you're setting them up for failure and disappointment and jaded on everything in this world. And, and you're not trustworthy because you're the one that encouraged them to do that and you set them up to fail. Now, I've seen people take it too far the other way and the poor kid don't even want to leave the house because what's the point? (laughs) Everything's gray. But here's the deal. It's about where they put their trust. You trust in your own heart? Trust in your own dreams? What about your own understanding? The meager, inadequate pile of facts and knowledge and ability that you've been able to scrape together in your life of falling down and pain and bad decisions and failures and disappointments sounds real reliable, don't it? Your own understanding that's got you to this point where everything is gray and black and failure and sadness and misery and ain't nobody you can trust and everybody's a liar and, you know, you got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps because ain't nobody going to help you. That's your own understanding about everything. Do you see? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. You got to have some understanding, he said, but don't lean on it too hard. Because it's, it's going to be very fickle and affected by your environment. Your own understanding. What about your ways? It says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. But you hear people say, why are you like that? Why are you the way you are? Well, it's just who I am. It's just who I am. It's my personality. The manner of speaking and expression that people have or the habits of their life. They say, it's just my personality. You know, I have a reclusive personality. I have an abrasive personality. I have a distrusting personality. That's your ways. That's your ways. That's affected by your understanding. And it's affected by your heart. And that's why he addressed those things. Remember, this is what we have to explain to somebody about why they can't trust God. Trust the Lord. Put your trust and your faith in Him that He can do what He said He'd do for you. He'll give you peace. He'll forgive you. He will take your sin and separate it as far as the east is from the west. He'll remember it no more. That's a message of hope. And they say, how in the world could that be? That makes no sense in my world. I don't understand that. And you've got to say, well, look, you've got to put your trust in Him. All your heart, all your understanding, all thy ways. And then He says, then, you're, he'll, then I'll direct your paths. If you can and you will put your trust in the Lord... Number one, your heart will be seeking after and desiring to do whatever he would ask instead of your own will and your own ways. And that's the thing. You get somebody that still brings argument to the table about why their way still has to exist along with trust in God and forgiveness. You're not there yet. You need to go back and address these matters that we just talked about here. Very true. 
Otherwise, you're going to assist them in trying to morph the two worlds together. And they'll come up with this hybridization of Christianity that still allows their own understanding and their will and their ways and their heart to be leading the way. And God's just a little extra that's hooked onto it, being drug along. No, your heart will seek after Him. It'll desire to do what He wants you to do. You will start to abandon your confidence in the way you've always seen and understood things and start seeking out His perspective on everything. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. That's not just in spiritual matters. A lot of days, I'll get up and I'll, I'll, on my way to work, I'll say in my mind, it's like just talking to God, but I'll pray, help me today. Help me to be mindful of you. You know, that don't mean I'm going to walk around singing Amazing Grace all day long in front of everybody and trying to drown out the radio. No, I want to acknowledge him in my ways. I want him to direct my paths. But I've got things I must do. You know, I can trust him that he'll do what he said. But he's got to trust me that I'll do what I said I'd do too. You know, trust is a two-way street. Oh yeah, Very much. And, and between man and God, also two-way street. He's giving you the benefit of the doubt and faith being put in you saying, Okay, look, I'll take you on. And you make promises. You ought to keep them. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think he means when you, he looks at you and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful. You were yes. trustworthy. Yes, amen. You lived a way in which that he could trust you. That's heavy. Yeah, it is. That's a heavy statement. Your ways, the way you live every day of your life will start to always include him and how what you're doing would make him feel will always be on your mind. You want him to direct your paths? That's how you got to live. That's what trust really does look like. I don't live every day of my life thinking if I do this or if I don't do this, she's not going to trust me no more. I got to do this so she doesn't get mad at me and not trust me anymore. That's not how I live. I do things that just shows my trustworthiness. Other than just the bare minimum so I don't fall into the untrustworthy category. Does that make sense? No, I do things that, that she can depend on. You know, God does that for you too. You ever got to worry if sun's going to come up in the morning? Nope. You ever got to worry if if he's going to hear you when you pray? No. He, he you he's trustworthy. He doesn't do things just to barely stay out of hot water. Yeah, off off of out of off of uh, well, under tri- on trial, he does. He's, he doesn't. He doesn't live just below that line. No, no. And here's the promise: He shall direct thy paths, 
It's the primary thing that you must start out desiring. When somebody comes to God and says, I, I got to find God. Somebody comes to you and says, how do I, how do I figure this out? Their heart's got to be there. Okay? Mm-hmm. They want Him to direct their path. They're done. That's where I was. When I finally truly did get my salvation nailed down. It, that's where, I mean, that's what I prayed. I said, I'm done. I can't, I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, I need you to direct my paths. So I don't know where I'm going. And I've done this for so long and made such a mess of it. I can't do it no more. I won't do it no more. It's the thing that you're putting trust in him for. For him to guide your life and not you anymore. Trust is an act of faith. That's required before the miracle. Even if it is the simple act of trusting. I believe trust is one of the first acts of faith in God. That a, that a convert exercises. It's trust. You know, the priest stepped into the river before it parted. They had to trust that he would make a way. But they had to obey and do the thing and have faith in him. What is putting your faith in God if it's not trusting Him first. He said it. Now you got to trust Him. Is that a risk? Well, once you get to know Him, you're going to understand that it's not a risk at all. But to the, to the newly converting mind, yeah, it's, it's an act of faith. Because you don't know Him that well yet. But our message to the lost ought to be that, listen, you need to, put, you need to help them have confidence in His trustworthiness. That makes them and helps them take that first step in trust in Him. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. That's what you want them to do. Trust in Him so that their faith can grow and they'll learn Him. He said, Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Why did He say it that way? Because they don't know Him. He said, take my yoke upon you. He said, Gwen, if you'll, if you'll just trust me, I am meek and lowly. And that's the message we ought to be able to give lost people. Not a, if you don't, if you don't do this, you're going to burn in hell. And if you don't do this quickly, you're going to burn in hell and try to scare them in some way. And, you know, screaming and hollering and trying to fear tactic them into Putting their what their trust and faith and love and confidence into somebody that's going to squash you if you don't. Well, listen, there is there is consequences to a life lived away from Him, but God made a way, yes. and it was it, love, Amen. love manifested, and they they can trust Him, trust in the Lord. Amen.